guys, and welcome back for episode four of the Made to Lead podcast. For those of you that are new here, my name is Rachel, and I'm the current host of Made to Lead. For this week's podcast, we are joined by Daniel Brandes, an alum here at the University of Illinois who majored in psychology and who is working towards practicing clinical psychology in the future. Networking is a huge part of our professional lives, and Daniel and I wanted to give you guys a few tips on how we've expanded our own networks, while also touching on the importance of community and how we've improved our own self-confidence. Now, this sounds like a lot of topics to hit in one podcast, but I promise we've definitely got a lot in store for you guys today. With that being said, let's get into the podcast. Okay, so now we're here with our guest. We're here with Daniel Brandes. Hello, hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me, Rachel. Always a pleasure. Uh, so, <laughs> Always a I mean, pleasure. I, I don't know what to do with myself. I feel like I have to be formal. Okay, so let's break it down. Uh, my name is Daniel Brandes. I uh, graduated from U of I in May of 2022. I graduated uh, with uh, cum laude, which Period. I... Go off. Yep, yeah, yeah, go off. I majored in clinical community psychology. I minored in uh, criminology, law, and society. Um, and now I'm currently working in the Champaign area at a high school as a teacher aide. I primarily work with uh, kids with autism. Uh, and so that's because I graduated a year early. So I uh, was an undergrad for three years. And so signed my lease already. So figured I'd just, you know, <laughs> why would I want to leave? I don't want to leave. Uh, yeah, it's too fun here. It's too fun here. And I get to live in Urbana, which is, like, completely different, I feel like, a yeah. shift, you know? It's more, uh, like, residential over yes, here. Yes, yes. Uh, and so I'm looking at grad schools now for uh, clinical, you know, kind of, like, counseling, clinical mental health counseling. Uh, DePaul is high on the list, some other schools in, like, the Midwest and stuff. Uh, I actually got accepted to DePaul, so we'll see if I end up He's going there. He's just flexing all of his merits right now. I mean, I just kind of feel like there are so many <laughs> other people on this podcast I have to compete with, so here we are. Uh, hey, I mean... Everyone's, hey, everyone's talented. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of the rundown. I feel like I'm giving a LinkedIn profile at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess my list isn't as extensive, mm. but... Um, so you're planning on going into clinical psychology? Mm-hmm. To be a counselor. So, uh, one of my ideas initially in going to undergrad was, uh, to get a PhD in psychology. And I mean, I guess we're kind of jumping right into it by me, uh, uh, talking about this, but, uh, I had this idea of what I wanted to do and, you know, everyone kind of has this idea of like, oh, the PhD route, that's kind of like what's associated with being a psychologist and mm -hmm. um and I know you wanted to talk about uh networking and my perspective on it and so uh in the process of me being at U of I uh my involvement in research labs and uh getting in contact with uh, my teachers and professors TAs and all that uh, and people that are around me I kind of was able to figure out that the PhD route wasn't for me mm -hmm. and it's kind of one of those things where it's like you know I always joke no one goes for Halloween as like a psychologist when you're little <laughs> or whatever like so it's like kind of got to like carve your own little path uh -huh. forge your path I'm thinking carve because Halloween pumpkins that just yeah passed. so uh and so you know 
having all of those resources at the university level, it's extremely important. And, um, you know, you have to do your own kind of research. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were able to, through the university, uh, see a list of alumni. And I was able to get in contact with one of them and have a conversation um, and kind of, you know, ask questions and stuff. Uh, So there's kind of just a lot of things that uh, went into my decision to Mm -hmm. kind of go in one direction or the other. And, um, you know, it's really important to kind of, like, start somewhere because I had no intention of or like I didn't really think that me being involved in certain ways or just simply going to class just kind of like the simple things would result in me kind of making those connections Uh so it kind of just falls into your lap but you still kind of have to put yourself out there and I think that with other careers um you know, sometimes LinkedIn works better. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, being in RSOs helps. Sometimes being in, like, a Greek life helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no one way to do it. And I think that networking is such, like, a overwhelming kind of topic that really mm-hmm. goes in networking. Like, yeah. that, like, it's only exclusive for, like, a certain group of people. Or, yeah. like, it's kind of like a all-boys club of, like, everyone kind of knows a secret and you may not be in on it. Mm-hmm. But... It's kind of around you more than you would think. Yeah. I mean, I guess like you were saying, like, I guess everyone kind of thinks there's kind of like a path that everyone has to follow in terms of, of a career. Like, at least when I went into college, I was like, I need to finish in four years. I need to immediately go get my master's mm-hmm. and then I'll like enter the workforce and like I'll immediately get like a good job and like all this stuff. Yep. Like that's the way I guess I went into it thinking like freshly freshman year of college but I think since then I've definitely realized that not everything is as black and white no like first of all you don't always need a master's like depending on your degree obviously yeah and a lot of careers I know like uh will give you some uh financial assistance in paying for a master's down the road if you yeah uh, would like to do that for some careers Mm -hmm. and when it comes to networking a lot of people think there's some kind of formula. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone wants to become friends with, like, professionals, become friends with, like, a lot of different people, like, kind of, like, expand basically their professional network. And I genuinely think there's, like, not a cookie-cutter way to do it. Yeah. Like, in my experience, I've made the most connections through internships, through, like, working and, like, meeting people there. Like, I would say through my past internships, like, I interned at a talent agency over the summer I met a lot of people there I met a lot of talent managers um a lot of people that worked in like operations like chief of staffs like etc and like I made genuine connections with them you know like it's not so much like talking about work 24 7 like asking them what they do like all this stuff like yeah those questions are helpful but like at the same time it's like you also kind of want to form these like genuine connections with people just by saying like oh let's go get lunch oh let's go do this like kind of like if you are in those yeah, um, sure. intern positions mm-hmm. um, and I'd say in some other places too it's more so like once again like forming those genuine connections like I also interned with a clothing boutique I think my sophomore year and with the owner like we literally just chat about whatever we talk we like talk about TikTok we talk about social media and stuff like that and we formed a genuine connection and then later on like I'd kind of like ask her how she like got to the place she is now and like what led her to like want to have a clothing boutique like etc and i bet that that was a lot more honest yeah of a response than like 
I have an interest. I mm-hmm. wanted to do it, and here I am. And then, like, that closed-offness. I mean, even if a person doesn't intend on being kind of closed off with, like, the true um, reality of what it's like to do what they're doing or what the true answer is to the question you're asking, because mm-hmm. there's always going to be, like, a company company line answer for a lot mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. Um, even if people are trying to be helpful, they may not feel like they could kind of give the full perspective if they don't really know who you are Mm -hmm. and so when people kind of um expect like oh if i just kind of friend like 500 people on linkedin i'm gonna Mm -hmm. instantly like find someone and that yeah sure that might be the case i'm working on that well not because not because i want all the connections like i probably don't know half of my connections which is probably like bad but they're all kind of like mutuals like people you know but like don't really know like i feel like that's a lot of what linkedin is Mm -hmm. and I guess that's bad, but at the same time, I do want the five hundred plus. I think so, that, that the five hundred plus is is pretty sweet number. Yeah, no, it's so it's, it's dope. A but I guess that what both of us are getting at is that um, you could certainly have people that you could kind of like find, mm-hmm. but um, the true answers to questions maybe lies more in uh, fostering some sort of relationship. Yeah, and even as you were saying, like. An internship is a bigger kind of scale of, like, meeting people because uh-huh. someone would say, like, oh, well, you know, I'm not an internship. How could I be doing that? Yeah. Um, one of my connections uh, at U of I started from a freshman class that I was taking, and I've always been, like, or thought myself to be, like, a, like a decent writer, and so one class required me to write a term paper, and I was very confident in it, and it was, like, my first like freshman year kind of like task that I completed Mm -hmm. I felt very proud of it and then I got a dreaded email from my TA and she was like yeah we need to talk I was like oh Mm -hmm. no oh boy (laughs) and so I was like super nervous and she was awesome and we went over it and we kind of clarified some points and then from then on I was able to kind of understand uh, my requirements better and throughout that whole process we and me going to office hours and stuff like we would chat and she was a psychology TA so yeah. I would ask her questions about grad school and stuff mm-hmm. um, and eventually she um, indicated that there was a positioning that was opening in the research lab that she was a mm-hmm. part of uh, and so I was able to apply and it was a good yeah. fit for me so it just kind of like happened to be that way and, yeah you know it's important to um and that was right before covid hit so i was very grateful to have had that in-person experience so that that connection was able to be formed but yeah i mean certainly after the pandemic there are probably i would say even more ways of um being able to because like you know with zoom i wish that would have been i mean we had it enough oh god but <laughs> but like the idea of it for for like the post-COVID era is like, I guess we're still in it, but for the post-COVID era, for lack of a better term, uh, it's a great resource to be able to then, like we were saying with those, maybe those 500 LinkedIn connections was like a one person giving a message response, yeah. but now maybe it would be, hey, can I set up a Zoom call? Yeah. You can kind of throw yourself out there a little bit yeah. more and kind of like, and that kind of camaraderie in like the... Uh, beginning stages of that zoom call or throughout might result in maybe better answers yeah yeah like I think zoom calls is honestly a great idea and reaching out on LinkedIn I think that can be very daunting from a lot of the experiences I've heard 
I've definitely been, I want to reach out to people on LinkedIn now, but I guess, like, it is kind of one of those things, like, you're reaching out to someone you don't know, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think a lot of the times, people have found it flattering, or, like, not necessarily, like, kind of, like, flattering, but also, like, you're helping them kind of thing, and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people do genuinely, like, want to help other people, like, I've had, um kind of like other students reach out to me because of my internships and like ask me how I got it like what kind of questions do they ask like did I like the company etc and like honestly like I genuinely like felt good trying to like help these people you know what I mean sure I mean it's kind of like a okay like you see me like you think I'm worthy of your of my wisdom to you and all that so Mm -hmm. and so I feel like I'm kind of stepping on myself earlier I'm like blah blah blah, 500 connections that's (laughs) a big joke but I mean I think that there's the takeaway is from what I'm saying and what we're talking yeah. about, basically that there's room for that, but I think I think that people have an expectation that like that that's like the central way of doing it yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's it's a good generalization to have because I mean yeah. all the professionals are on it, but you kinda have to find a happy medium between yeah. those two things and like recognize that if you're not maybe getting responses from the kind of random connection you've made like that's okay yeah it kind of takes time for a network to build because mm-hmm. you have to you know first use your resources around you and uh, the university of illinois always has really good resources so mm-hmm. i mean that just kind of um goes without saying and so you can kind of build from there and you know you could definitely try out some things like yeah. like a linkedin or uh maybe apply for that internship that you think yeah. that you can be, maybe be qualified for but maybe aren't or maybe you think you're super qualified I think no matter what maybe this is just me but even if like you aren't 100% qualified maybe you're like missing like one or two things like an internship is like asking for I think you should still apply no matter what like maybe yeah. that's just me because it's like I guess maybe it was like LinkedIn post <laughs> or like some kind of like <laughs> professional like advice thing and it said like even if you are applying like there's still some kind of chance you'll get a response there's still some kind of chance something will happen with that application but if you don't apply at all like that means there's 100% chance nothing will happen so I think that kind of like for me at least yeah is something that really resonates with me yeah Um, I think that if you're People know themselves enough to know if they're shooting too high into the sky, yeah. uh, but even still, you know, kind of go for it. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of one of those things where um, I think the I think the I feel like the vibe of just kind of how the workplace and how like career pathway seeking is going like there's something to be said about the embracement of so many factors that are yeah. that go beyond what is on like uh-huh. a specific resume and like people's talents and their abilities to collaborate with other people and all of those sorts of things that maybe are seen as an afterthought because they might not be written in like the the uh, you know qualifications necessarily yeah. but i mean people can see your abilities even if they're not reflected um in what they're specifically looking for when you go to potentially an interview process and so like and at the very end of the day like if you just do an interview and maybe it doesn't go somewhere you got practice in maybe Mm -hmm. you can course correct down the road 
Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's good to, you know, have that kind of practice mm-hmm. because then you kind of build more confidence. With yeah. It. And I mean, I am also a big believer in like emailing, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like as soon as I submit an application, I always email saying oh, yeah. like, yeah. I submitted an application, like I would really love, like I love the company's values, like etc. And I always send a thank you note after the interview as well. And I think those go a long way too, because it kind of just like, it does kind of reflect your character a little bit. And it also just shows like how invested you are in the company and like how much you do like the company and stuff like that. Um, For me, I'm a big grammar guy. So mm -hmm. if I was on like the interviewing side and I saw someone gave a great interview, like talking face to face or on Zoom, Mm -hmm. and then they sent me an email with Comic Sans and... Spelling errors. Comic Sans? How do you get Comic Sans the in font. email? It's the font. I mean, but... This is a hypothetical, I, Okay, but we're, hypothetically, we're I have never received an email with Comic mm, Sans. Well, you'd be surprised. Uh, it adds an extra element of, like, I'm that guy. Like, yeah, I have... you're him. I, I'm, like, I'm him. <laughs> I have, you know, like, the ability to, number one, kind of be smart about putting myself out there a little bit more I kind of have my stuff together enough Uh to like know that it's like the professional thing to do yeah and it just kind of it's just a good measure of like yeah okay thank you for you know acknowledging my presence and I think it's also just very respectful yeah it's it's respectful yeah respectful of their time their effort etc it's true um but I guess like from this conversation I've also gathered at least in myself too, like, because I think I'm someone that stresses about networking and it's like, I don't know that many professionals, like, I don't know people at different companies, like, that always, like, stresses me out. Mm-hmm. But I think you do bring up a good point that, like, networking really is everywhere. Like, it can be just from, like, a mutual, like, you have a friend that's, like, actually one of your good friends, like, you talk to them on, like, a daily basis or whatever, like, you guys are in clubs together, you guys are in clubs together, whatever, like, um, they might know someone who is hiring. At least that's what happened with me. Like, when I got my internship with the clothing boutique. Honestly, love it. Shop St. Cole. If you guys are interested in clothing, fashion, etc. Is there, like, a Rachel 20 code or something? No, unfortunately. Mm. But... Um, Rachel 30. Okay, try Rachel 30. I mean, <laughs> sure. Uh, but the owner is really amazing. I really love her. Uh, but I honestly found out about that from my cousin who just like knew people and just like formed these genuine connections just like her friends her one of her friends happened to have a boutique and she was like oh she's looking for an intern I found out emailed her and I feel like that's how at least with me I've learned a lot from my older cousins my my sisters etc like I'll learn a lot about kind of like the workforce from them Mm -hmm. see if like they know anyone like they'll give me advice like that's how I've learned a lot too or even just pushing someone in kind of like the right direction yeah because you know you could talk to family members about um what their perspective is on like a certain career pathway or what they've heard about certain things because they're kind of you know they're seasoned they they get it they've been around the block so like they might be like having like the intel yeah and and i mean to have you think a bit yeah like i guess that resource I guess isn't available for a lot of people too like I can recognize that um I personally um my mom is a first generation she grew up in Mexico she like kind of moved back and forth between the states and Mexico for 
um, probably like the first 18 years, 20 years of her life, like she didn't finish high school, etc. And I feel like that for me was very hard because it's like, in terms of like applications, stuff like that, like I filled out my own FAFSA, didn't know what I was doing, filled it out all on my own. Um, when it came to college apps, did all on my own, like I had to help my younger sister and like kind of like teach her how to do it and do that kind of stuff, which I think can be very hard for some people because like, especially if you are a first gen um, or like your parents are first gens, like it can be a very daunting task to like try to network or try to like figure things out on your own. Um, but I think if you do like have older cousins, older siblings, they might have um, a bit of knowledge for you too. Like my cousins are only eight years older than me, seven years, which mm-hmm. is kind of like a gap, but I definitely have learned a lot from them. And community members um, and yeah. like other uh, people in your area. But I mean, kind of like what you were saying, you know, there's this privilege surrounding mm-hmm. networking. And I think that that kind of like taints the perception of it yeah. because it's true. There is a privilege in, you know, being able to network and who you happen to know that can maybe bring something to someone that would have otherwise not been to another. Uh-huh. So, I mean, and that's why I stressed at the beginning here, like, you know, I did crummy on a, on a paper and I connected with the TA and she was able mm-hmm. to give me great, you know, advice and it kind of uh, ballooned from there. So it kind of can come in unexpected places. Yeah. You don't have to be in a position of feeling like you need to be you know, from a certain background or yeah. know certain people in order to get things done mm-hmm. yeah. in order like, to succeed. Yeah, like, there can really be, like, you can really learn from everyone, you know, like, TAs, I think, are a great resource. Like, there's someone you can connect with easily. Um, I think professors as well, like, they're obviously a great resource. They've, like, they're basically, like, seasoned in that yeah. kind of, like, um, field, which is great, too. Um, I think RSOs are a great outlet. Um, I'm... Definitely in SWB, which is the Society of Women Woman, Society of Women in Business. Um and rolls off the tongue, right? Yeah, really does. Um my mentor helped me um kind of like look for internships and kind of get connected with people on campus in the industry I wanted to go in, which I think was very helpful for me as well. Um and I think it can really be found everywhere. Daniel, you were in the Ukrainian Student Association, weren't you? This is correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, I had many hats in that uh, RSO, so I was obviously a member throughout uh, my time at U of I, but I first started as social social media chair and then uh, went up to uh, vice president in my senior year. Yeah, Daniel's big on graphic design. I am. Uh, yeah. Hit me up. I'm a pro at Canva, so <laughs> if anyone needs anything. Honestly, Canva's pretty hard to navigate. It is. So, exactly. So, actually, now my fee just went up. So, thanks, Rachel. Oh, okay. Uh, or maybe you could use code RACHEL30 again. Okay. And see if it works. Okay. Uh, that RSO was an amazing experience, and it's something that I would have never expected to have had at such a high level of university, mm-hmm. and uh, for it to take the significance that it did, especially in February of 2022 when uh, the Russian-inflicted war against Ukraine began. Uh, There had been conflict uh, between Russia and Ukraine for generations, uh, but I would like to clarify and basically kind of point out that um, 
uh, while I say Russia versus Ukraine, what I mean is uh, President Putin and Ukraine because we hold no animus towards anyone who's involved with the conflict and we understand that there are the powers that be that are the ones controlling the narrative and um, the ones that are causing the conflict and harm. With that being said, though, uh, like I said, I was extremely grateful for that association to be uh, available to me on campus uh, because when I was growing up, I uh, was telling my friends this a few days ago, they were like, Daniel, what? we were talking about like you know sports in middle school mm-hmm. or whatever, Little League, and I had never uh, been a part of like a Little League or anything like that. I did like middle school like volleyball or something, which... I was so good. Uh, <laughs> but I was telling them, you know, like my parents made the decision of kind of debating whether or not I should do Ukrainian school on Saturdays. And mm-hmm. you know, I think so, a lot of people could relate to the Saturday language school thing. Um, <laughs> or to, you know, kind of have my focus on like a sport. And so my parents decided uh, that Ukrainian school would be the, you know, the the path for me to go down. And, mm-hmm. uh I definitely like appreciated it and liked it when I was doing it. But you know, when I would tell people growing up that I'm Ukrainian and that I speak the language and that I would go to cultural scouting organizations, kind of like Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. um, Ukrainian school and all that, um, everyone just kind of gave me a side eye and be like, Wait, what is that? Where is that? Why are you that? Why does mm-hmm. that matter? Because, you know, maybe people wouldn't know it on a map. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, like, Community does matter, like... Oh, it's true. Like, I don't know. I am... Well, I'm, like, half Caucasian, half Mexican. Like, my mom was, once again, like, raised in Mexico. My dad, um, like, his family has, like, been here since, like, the Revolutionary War. Like, we've basically, like, that my that side of the family has been in America for, like, ever. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's something, like, I've always struggled with in terms of, like, my identity is, like, I didn't have a sense of community just because the way I grew up was very different from, like, let's say, like, someone that was raised in, like, a solely Mexican household, solely American household, like, etc. I think that's something I struggled with for a long time, especially when I came to college. So I do think, um, like you were saying, like, I guess, like, identifying and kind of, like, having unity in your Ukrainian heritage does Mm -hmm. mean a lot to, like, every individual, you know? Yeah, and so... While I did, like I said, have people around me that didn't really understand it, it didn't really matter because Mm -hmm. I valued that community that I was able to be around, and it certainly has paid dividends in, you know, the effort that I put to learn the language. I could speak, read, and write Mm -hmm. the language, and so that was, oh god, how long? Uh, Preschool to 12th grade, so like sophomore year of high school, I was in Ukrainian school, and so... Friday nights, instead of going to the football game, well, I mean, okay, I'm not, guys, I'm not, complete, <laughs> I'm not a loser. I, like, swear, I'm like, okay, I, I didn't do honestly, sports, I didn't go to football. No, high school like, football games are lame. Like, I'm sorry, maybe you might take offense to this, but mine were lame. I went for the marching band, and then I left. I left after you the You went for quarter. the marching band. I, yes, I went for the marching band. I'd show up. That's brave of you. The second quarter, <laughs> watch the halftime show, leave after the third quarter. There you go. But I like I was like I was saying like you know it kind of ate into my time doing like basically another school for the next day on the weekend instead of watching cartoons in the morning. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, you know, there are some things that I had to, to do in order to uh, um, accomplish what I s sought to accomplish, but I think it paid off. And yeah. um, when it came time to, because uh, the organization on campus, the Ukrainian Student Association, uh, was established. Uh, I'm not going to say the date because I'm um, blanking on the year that it began, but uh, <laughs> decade. You're supposed to know this, I'm Daniel. supposed to know this. I'm supposed yeah. to. Well, I mean, he was I, the VP. I, I was VP, you so I wasn't president, so I didn't need to know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> His sister was the president. Yeah, yeah so... she was the president. She's, you know, uh, that, that, that <laughs> dynamic is another story. Um, decades, it lasted, and it was into the 60s and 70s and all that. And there was a period of time where um, it kind of just stopped. And in the early 2000s, it was reformed. Mm -hmm. And since then, there's kind of been a slowly but surely, uh, you know, movement to have it be incorporated on campus. And mm -hmm. uh, the biggest purpose of it was in the context of uh, socialization and uh, working with other groups to spread awareness on things, mm -hmm. but never to the extent that we had imagined, considering this war just kind of yeah. came out of nowhere. So uh, we all really had to uh, band together yeah. to um, do the fundraising thing, do yeah. this, uh, the awareness spreading thing. Um, we held a rally the weekend of it occurring mm -hmm. and had a huge turnout yeah for that. like i was hundreds at of the people. rally too i don't know it was it was kind of amazing like to me at least too because like i would say like once again like i did grow up kind of with like a variety of different cultures like i grew up in a very diverse area too so to me it was like so cool to see a community come together like in a time of need too i don't know if oh, that's just awesome. me too like i just so thought great. it was so moving and i'm saying it's awesome and great because you got to find, you know, some positivity in, yeah. in, you know, like the dark matters that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so um, to see that community come together, especially, like I said, in the context of my upbringing being around people that weren't of the same background as me all the time yeah. and not understanding that my culture existed. And then to have it, to see it be affirmed and like, respected and uh -huh. like valued was so interesting to yeah. me and it was so obviously touching so mm -hmm. yeah no yeah. and after we had that rally we um we held other events we um we had a vigil we had a basketball tournament fundraiser that we collaborated with the Illini Jewish Chabad on campus and they were awesome and mm -hmm. um and we actually networking <laughs> pivot, pivot, pivot. networking is ne everywhere networking is everywhere uh we had um a, a contact and the rabbi reached out to us uh and he wanted to make something happen and we were able to do a fundraiser basketball tournament mm -hmm. uh which was so cool because yeah. that's something that you need you know all hands on deck to accomplish yeah and we worked with a lot of uh, uh fraternities and sororities to get the word out about that um and so you know it takes a village to do all these things yeah. and uh that village includes joe's brewery who <laughs> had a fundraiser and i uh was dming them and was saying like you know get us some ukraine style shots like the blue and the yellow <laughs> and you know things came out of that too of uh money being donated to us so 
In total, we raised over $16,000. Dang. Which was very surprising and something that I would have never thought would have been possible mm-hmm. if it were not for our community. And, you know, reaching out to people that we knew to give um, to give talks on things, professors, uh, reaching out to people for um, graphic design uh, assistance, mm-hmm. for merchandise to sell, to uh, fundraise, all these things, you know... We wouldn't have had all the turnout that we did had we not put ourselves out there. Yeah. No, I think that's really amazing, too. And so, you know, I know one of the things you want to talk about, and I'm jumping ahead here, but um, (laughs) about self-confidence, you know, I was really kind of put on the spot to, um, in a lot of situations, take charge like I hadn't needed to do before. And I've always kind of been... uh, in the realm of like a leader but like this is something that actually was you know i had a real thing to do that had real mm-hmm. consequences yeah and was for a real cause yeah and so the biggest example of that was me having to give a speech in front of 300 some odd people um for that first rally that we had in february and there were uh local news teams with the cameras out and it was just this whole kind of dramatic thing because it's like all eyes are on you cameras are on you and that was certainly a new element and to boot i pushed myself to have a part of my speech be said in ukrainian so that was like a yeah it was was just a whole lot of just like kind of things that i hadn't done before but in the process after a while that confidence in my ability to do, you know, public speaking yeah. and things that frequently are things that I know people grapple with, um, kind of forced me to to get over it. And I understand that not everyone has, you know, a moment or a cause that requires them to have to step up to the plate enough to build up self confidence. Yeah. So, um, what I do want to say to that is basically, um, even the little moments like. They they add up. They do. Yeah, they do. And so uh, having, you know, the confidence to go up and order your food could be... <laughs> no. no. seriously. No, actually. Some people are like, not, I like was the, not so a fan. bad like, at that. Safe, right? No, it was so bad. Like, I could not order my own food probably until I was 16, 17. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, I hated ordering my own food. I'd make DoorDash my mom go. have been your best friend. Dude, it still is. It like, still is. I'm not saying I can't order my own food now because I've, I'm definitely a lot better at it. But I will DoorDash or place an online order Plus, if, if I can. Plus, if you do the online order thing, you could add, like, little sides and stuff that... Yeah. Like, am I really going to have the, you know, uh, the willingness to ask for that extra, you know... Yeah. Chick-fil-A sauce if I'm in person or yeah. if I'm online, just like plus, 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 <laughs> max out. That's uh, true. Speaking of Chick-fil-A, um, celebrate yourself enough, right? Yeah. Self-confidence, for me, a lot of it is, you know, taking time to celebrate yourself, yeah. right? And I know that self-care is like such like a wah 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 like Uh oh self-care it's so like like you know like a in vogue thing that it's like drinking cucumber water and like that sort of you know thing of like making it seem like it's 
unattainable or it mm-hmm. like requires a certain lifestyle like self-care and when i um i volunteered as a online volunteer crisis text line crisis counselor that mm-hmm. was a mouthful um <laughs> where i would uh it was an online text service and people would text in regardless of what issues they were uh, being faced with and they would kind of break down what exactly was um you know ex- what they were experiencing and mm-hmm. uh everything that um every conversation had in common me going over with them at some point um what their perception of self-care looks like uh-huh. and so you know in that you know in that process you see that there are so many varieties of options that people have at their disposal and for me i think it's the ability to realistically access and implement certain activities or engaging in certain things that bring you joy yeah i mean this is i guess this topic is kind of piggybacking off of last week's um which was self-management and i think a lot of those tips do help in kind of like building your self-confidence um but i do think like what you're saying like like giving yourself that kind of joy and like celebrating like what you're doing because i think we don't stop to pat ourselves on the back yeah like true i don't know in terms of like me i said i would say like i have struggled with my confidence like i think this is honestly like a really common issue that a lot of people in our generation deal with like and i think that's for like a variety of different factors but i think we often tell ourselves like we aren't enough and I think, like, that's one of, like, the most, like, the biggest mental barriers that I have and, like, a lot of people have is, like, we always think we can be better, but it's, like, we don't take the time to celebrate what we are now, you know? It's true. Yeah, that's something that, like, just really brings people down, Uh and it's understandable. Like, we all can kind of, you know, relate to that. Yeah. Because, um, you know, the perception that we, our perception of self you know, revolves around who we are around, what we see and what mm-hmm. uh, media we consume, uh, what we want out of our experiences, what we think we want, and all of these things just like the the thoughts of what should be just mm-hmm. circle around in your head and it's hard to, you know, dissociate that. Yeah. So, um, rock with what you got, yeah. you know? Like, that's 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 something that you kind of just have to have as a baseline. Like, it yeah. doesn't have to be like, oh, you should love yourself 100% all the time yeah. for everything that you are. But I kind of have to tell myself this too, but don't be too hard on yourself, yeah. you know? Like, it's easy to kind of get into a place where you're very uh, self, like, criticizing and all of that. I, mm-hmm. you know, am uh, guilty of that myself. Yeah. Um, But, you know, if you... Come up with a way to maintain a balance of working towards goals that are realistic, but also having an appreciation for where you're at and who you're around. I think that that kind of mix will bring a lot more success than just setting goals that are too unrealistic and that you may never achieve. And it's understandable that that might not ever be achieved, but having those thoughts in mind make it difficult and then kind of put someone in a 
headspace that that they're not worthy or that they um, can't do something that they sought to do. I think realistic goals are super important because they are like attainable, like what you were saying. Like, I think if we do set realistic goals, they will be a lot easier to achieve. And like, once again, like that makes you feel a lot better about yourself because you are achieving your goals. But I do think pushing yourself outside of your typical boundaries and setting some of those unrealistic goals at least for me that does drive me a little bit because it's like I if I'm like dreaming this way if I'm thinking this way maybe it'll happen like obviously like Manifest. it won't yeah Manifest. I'm big on manifesting no but I, I get that like the drive yeah. like it's certainly like I don't want to come on here and be like love yourself and don't set goals for yourself yeah. because you won't achieve them uh-huh. but I think that people get into a headspace where even if they have a goal that they see as what they want and then they don't achieve it, then they get shut down and yeah. then they feel like, well, I'm just going to kind of like do basically nothing in yeah. response to it. So the premise behind realistic goal implementation is that you could put aspects that require you to push yourself in order to achieve them, but it could be done within the confines of where you're at. Yeah. And so, like, you know, if you want to start lifting a certain weight or uh, handle a certain, like, workout regimen, um, you can't go up to the 500-pound barbell and start <laughs> lifting it. But, you know, you could push yourself so that maybe one one week you're doing the 25s and next week you're doing maybe 30s and mm-hmm. kind of go up and try to, like, push yourself enough to see where you can go, but be okay with things maybe not being so immediate. And yeah. so that's why it's tough because it's so personalized. Like, yeah. this is not something that is an easy topic or something yeah. that, because everyone's goals look different. And we had an example of working out, but, um, you know, goals just span yeah. every single area of everyone's yeah. life. Yeah, And I think, like you were saying, like, I think, it is good to dream big. Like, I'm personally big on dreaming big because I think it does give me something to work towards. But I do think baby steps yeah. are necessary for some things. Like People if, might not like to hear that term, yeah. but I mean, I guess it's like a really good way of, you know, putting it. Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe, how about this? Let's coin a new term, ready? Baby strides. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> baby strides, that's, sure. That's that's. that's Imagine really a baby the, striding though, like. Could we name the podcast that? Is okay. that a thing? I mean, yeah, sure. Baby strides. Baby okay. strides. I will say an example of celebrating my accomplishments is, well, I. What have been some accomplishments that you've my experienced accomplishments. recently? Oh my gosh! Putting I you on the spot. So glad you asked. But. But yeah, that was totally not in the script. <laughs> but I guess some accomplishments I. Yes, I have struggled with working out for a while, like, back on this topic. I don't know why we keep talking about this, but we keep talking about working it's out. Relatable. But I would say I had a very strict and, like, aggressive regimen in high school. Like, I cannot, like, I feel like this is so hard to explain to other people because a lot of people didn't grow up in the same kind of atmosphere where, like, swimming and water polo are, like, so big in certain cities like I grew up in Orange County like water polo swimming is just like huge like Olympians went to my pool like (laughs) like we had the Pan Pacific or whatever 
stuff there like i met nathan adrian ryan lochte at my pool like stuff like that like swimming was huge and that led to a lot of people in my area like we trained forever people right. were swimming five hours a day like i think during the summers i was training like eight hours a day like seven oh, hours boy. a day and that would be six days a week and i think that was very hard on my body like obviously that isn't manageable like that's not a manageable amount for most people to work out like right. i would say for everyone like that's not healthy but it's kind of like the atmosphere that those sports put people in and i think coming out of that it was very hard for me to learn how to balance working out while also like make like doing it in a healthy way because it's like i'm not used to doing it in a healthy way you right. know you have to figure out what fits your schedule now yeah. where your body's at now uh, we're all so old now. Yeah, we're, we're so all old. Geriatric. Well, you are. You're almost twenty-two. I'm mm, only twenty. I'm just saying. I have wrinkles. Uh, and so yeah, no, it's like one of those things. Yeah, but you gotta figure it out. I will say, I joined the boxing club. Join the boxing RSO if you guys want to. I think it's really fun. Join the boxing RSO. Yes. And don't see Rachel in a dark alley at night. She will yes. kill you. No, I I'll be I can be Daniel in a fight any day of the week. Daniel. Hey, hey, I I led the charge with it. I'm just saying, but I do think that kind of did heal some kind of piece of me because it's like it was something I enjoyed. It was a good amount of working out per day, and it was like something that was manageable. That I I don't know. That kind of did make me feel a lot better. It did make me feel really good about working out, and I would treat myself with a vitamin water every single day after practice. I would walk over to the the little store. In Ike, what's it called? Oh boy. Fifty seven. Your California show. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I go to fifty seven and I buy vitamin water every single day and I'd be so happy and I just walk home with a smile on my face drinking my vitamin water. But yeah. It's true. The the metaphorical vitamin water in everyone's life. Yeah. It's, everyone it's needs a, a vitamin water. Everyone needs a vitamin water. Yes. And that's not sponsored. What's your vitamin water? My yeah, vitamin wait, water? but first of all, it either has to be the black, pink, or red vitamin waters. Any other flavor is bad. I don't really have an opinion on vitamin water. Oh, sorry. That is so disrespectful. Right. Maybe I should have my own vitamin water. Yeah. Uh, what was the question? What do I have to say? No, your own metaphorical vitamin water. Oh, okay. Uh, so I recently started, like I said earlier, in the pod. Oh, <laughs> the pod. My skin just shifted. Your California showing. Oh, bro, right. <laughs> nice one. Uh... I just started a full-time job working at a high school as a teacher assistant, teacher aide. Um, and so what I, my metaphorical vitamin water is before work every Friday, I get a coffee. I bring coffee every other day of the week. And you would love to hear all the teacher jokes of, hey, man, I'm going to have coffee. Like, it's, it's real, guys. <laughs> the working world is scary. And it's filled with talk about coffee uh, dude coffee is a necessary part it, of it it is it is like well we have to agree does. on that so i drink three cups of coffee a day mm, so three. that's yes that's impressive uh with or before or after the vitamin water before before coffee's in the morning coffee is when you first wake up right. and you eat your bagel you eat your breakfast right. and then you have your vitamin water at night evening when right. you're walking home and then nightcap coffee Yes. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, like, every Friday, I mean, today's Friday, 
TGIF, everyone. Uh, well, it probably won't be posted on Friday. <laughs> so post it on Friday, so this is relevant. Okay. But you know, it's a little thing, just going to Dunkin' and you know, going to the drive-through. But it's nice, and you know, you kind of just yeah. like have like a thing to look forward to, and it's like. Maybe it's I'll... satisfying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. As a kid, we my family used to do French fry Fridays. So, okay. like, we didn't eat out, like, throughout the entire week. But then on Fridays, my dad would take us to McDonald's, and he'd buy us a large fries. And we could eat them, because it's French Fry Friday. You could eat them, wow. Yeah. You could hover them over. And yeah. No. You can't eat them. Yeah. It was just purely for um, mental toughness. I had right. to just stare at yeah. the you French fries. You won't get networking unless you restrict your fry. <laughs> Don't restrict. Right. Don't listen to anything Daniel's saying. Right. Uh, um, this is a pause. And then let's talk about something else. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. Okay. I think a huge thing with building self-confidence, at least in my experience, I also think this is such a difficult topic to talk on because, like, people's self-confidence journeys are so different and, like, I think it's something that just kind of, like, happens on a whim. Like, you don't actively, at least in my experience, I wasn't actively trying to build my self-confidence, but I knew my self-confidence was low. Like, I, like, once again, have struggled with my self-confidence, and it's just, like, these small moments of clarity always cleared things up for me. But I think a huge part of that was surrounding myself with positive people and not people that tore me down. Like, I I would say I've had some problematic friends in the past. I think everyone has, you know. I think that's a typical part of growing up. And I think a lot of the times it's common for, like, friends to maybe poke fun. Maybe make fun of you for something. Um, Kind of, like, make fun of what you're doing. Make fun of, like, your outfit, etc. And I think, obviously, like, there's a difference between, like, poking fun and, like, doing it in a problematic way. But I think a lot of times people do take it too far. And I think that does, like, unconsciously affect our self-esteems and, like, how we view ourselves. Because it's, like, if everyone's making fun of us, our friends are poking fun, like, we're going to think that's embarrassing. We're going to think what we're doing is bad. So I really believe in that, too. I've always considered myself um, a person who excels at sarcasm. (laughs) Uh, And I feel like listeners can maybe uh, deduce that from what things I've said throughout the time. But... You know, I function with the ability to understand that the things that I say do have consequences, and sometimes people could um, say something, or I could say something, or I hear someone else say something, and maybe there was not, like, two of, like, a negative intention behind it, but, you know, I think that a maturity level needs to be reached where if you are in a circle with good friends you could pull someone aside and say comfortably hey this didn't make me feel good this was not you know a representation of what i think of you to be and i've had some people in my life where pulling them aside for that conversation kind of unlocked a different side sometimes for the positive of being Mm -hmm. like oh sure dude like I get it. Like, thank you for bringing that up to me. I'll, you know, try to be cognizant of what I say. Um, but then some people will just kind of shut down and get defensive in, in a negative yeah. capacity. And it just kind of makes you question 
um, who they are to you. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes, in my experience, those moments also make you question everything about yourself. Like, at least in, like, some, like, things that have have happened with my friends where I'll, like, approach them saying, like, oh, these things you've said, like, they hurt my feelings and I feel like they were very harmful. And they'll just be like, oh, well, I never meant it that way. Like, it's your problem for taking it that way. And it's just, like, even if you are sure of what you're saying them saying that makes you feel like am i right like you'll always be wondering some part of you like at least that's for me like some part of me always wonders like did i take it the wrong way did was i like the one that's at fault you know what i mean so i I think that's also very harmful that also expands into beyond you know comments in that capacity just Mm -hmm. like success or like getting a certain grade on something mm-hmm. or like um just your overall perception of self like i feel like it just goes into um people kind of continuously asking themselves like did i do the right thing am yeah. i the one that's being uh correct or incorrect all these things and you can kind of just get lost in yourself too mm-hmm. and so that can push that self confidence down but mm-hmm. i think as we age we kind of and get more mature we kind of tend to realize that even if people do make comments that kind of maybe make you not feel so good you eventually will have the ability to or at least have a better ability to um be comfortable with just kind of disregarding something and not letting it eat at you because ultimately those comments maybe they'll stick or maybe they were just kind of regardless of the intention of them mm-hmm. you have to be able to um kind of sit down with yourself and recognize what um needs to potentially yeah. be changed what needs to not be changed at all because it's fine to you or you know thinking about what's best for yeah the betterment of yourself regardless mm-hmm. of what other people think yeah i think reflections a huge part of it you know like determining why you feel a certain way why you act a certain way uh we touched on that in the last podcast if you guys want to listen to that too i think reflection is a huge part of building your self-confidence um i think another huge thing is learning how to move forward um like just like these moments like they might stick with us they might eat at us we might constantly be thinking about them but it's like at the end of the day that is over like, those interactions, those comments, like, those are all in the past and, like, learning how to continue forward and better yourself at the same time. Like, I think that's also a huge skill that, like, does come with time and, like, we do eventually learn to. And it's a balancing act. I think yeah. a lot of the things that we've talked about are balancing mm-hmm. acts because on the one hand, you have to recognize what a comment is and, you know, perceive it and not just completely, like, put it in the trash mm-hmm. but you also have to be able to kind of internalize it and go about your day yeah thank you daniel for coming on the made to leave podcast of course um i loved having you on thank you thank you um did you have any final thoughts or final words you'd like to say so we covered a lot of topics today i mean networking self-confidence self-care positive affirmations acceptance of self i could just going on uh but at the end of the day, you got to take those baby strides, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. The, the baby Woo! strides. And I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a coined term now because <laughs> it kind of puts into perspective that, you know, we all need to kind of put ourselves in 
the mindset that once we kind of identify what our strengths are, where we want to go, what we feel is important to us, who we value, all of those things go into who we ultimately become. So all of that needs to be, you know, seen as valued by ourselves mm-hmm. instead of just always focusing on what everyone else thinks or focusing on the betterment of other people around us rather than taking time to look at ourselves and reflect. So I feel like I just said a lot of things, but <laughs> you got to be comfortable with yourself mm-hmm. and you got to be able to uh, realistically implement goals that will help you to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I guess that's the thesis statement. Yes. A thesis statement that covers a variety of topics. Yes, very <laughs> much so. Um, well, that's it for today's podcast, guys. Um, I hope you were able to gain some insight on self-confidence from me and Daniel. And use code RACHEL30 at yeah, checkout. Yeah, use code RACHEL30 at Chop St. Cole if you guys are interested. But I... I <laughs> <laughs> it's not real, guys. That's, that's I'm a sorry. joke. I, it's, yeah, I'm pretty it's sure not. it's not real. But still support small yeah, businesses. Yeah, support small businesses. The owner is amazing. You guys check her out. Um, And yeah, tune in next week or the week after. I'm not sure when the next podcast is coming out. But yeah, stay up to date and we'll see you guys next time.